everybody. I'm Leslie. And this is B, and you're listening to Getting Shitfaced, a podcast where two friends across the country from each other get together over drinks and talk about our favorite show, Shit's Creek. And this week we're talking season six. Season six. We've made it. We have, finally. I know. I mean, we, we're going to have to cut like 40 minutes of the beginning of this podcast where we just cry. With relief, of course. With relief, with happiness, with joy. But it was a close call, but you guys won't have to hear hear that. That'll be in our extended director's cut. <laughs> yes, the Lord of the Rings level extended edition. This week, we're talking about the season six premiere, Smoke Signals. In this episode, David and Patrick scout a potential wedding venue with Alexis and Stevie in tow. Meanwhile, Moira reevaluates her acting career, and she and Johnny take a trip to the eponymous Schitt's Creek, which we finally get to see. The wedding venue, of course, turns out to not be the best option. And after Johnny nearly gets arrested for indecent exposure, they all come together to enjoy a barbecue at the motel. From that episode, we have a barbecue and we have a little bit of smoke in the episode. And so we thought when we were kind of picking out our cocktail for the week, um, which we do actually make and drink during this episode, uh, what was something that could kind of encompass the whole episode? And we found uh, a barbecue smoked margarita, which gives you a twist on that classic margarita with a little bit of liquid smoke and barbecue rub, paprika in your margarita, which is super fun. The website, which we'll include in the show notes, calls it the flavors of smoke and barbecue savoriness make this classic citrusy ingredients of this margarita shine in the summer sun, which we all know... It's winter for most of us, but it's always summer in Schitt's Creek, so this should hold you over well if you want to do a quick rewatch of the episode with a drink. It's really delicious, too. I was not really sure about putting liquid smoke in my drink. I know, me either. Uh, but you really just get more the the scent of it than like the actual flavor, and it, it's really tasty. It was like you were right there. Johnny was making you a hot dog. He was, he was making a pork chop, and then you decided you couldn't eat it. I think that gives us a great segue to deep dive into the episode then um, and talk about some of our favorite moments, some of the big things that happened, some lines that we loved. Uh, let's start with the very funny opening scene with Moira in the closet. I mean, they do not like they hit the ground running in this episode. It jumps right in um, a week later after the uh, last season's finale. Um, and so we see uh, Patrick and David are kind of watching Alexis try to close up her suitcase and get ready to go to the Galapagos, uh, which we'll talk a little bit about later. One of many suitcases. Yeah, one of many. I mean, there was not just one or two or five. And there is a very funny scene right at the beginning um, where David, Patrick, and Alexis go to visit Moira uh, with Johnny in the closet. <laughs> and it's it's... Like, everything that's great about this cast is in that scene. It is. We have some great Moira vocabulary lessons right off the bat. We've got everyone trying not to break, <laughs> which is always funny. Yes. Oh, it's so good. It's like a masterclass in, like, holding in your laughter as an actor. Yeah, yeah. Now if I were ever to get on stage, which I will not do. I don't know if I would say I know how to not do it. I'm not sure it's that good of a lesson because they do come awfully close, uh, but it's still probably better than I would do. Right. There's a moment when Catherine, and I will never, ever try to do a Moira impression, but she says, 
just know that missing this will be the heavy-hearted part of my day. And if you look right there, Dan and Noah are just so close to just cracking up. Like, that line is, like, perfect uh, delivery from Catherine. It is. It is. She's so good at what she does and has made Moira this incredible character that she is. And you would think that, you know, by this point, like, the shtick would be kind of over, you know? Right. But it's absolutely hilarious every single time. Every single time. And she just brings something new all the time to it. Yes. And that wig. Oh, the wig. The wig is beyond anything. <laughs> it's so good. It's such a great, I've been in the closet for a week wig. <laughs> right. Little Yeti. Little someone on um, online said it's like Sia after a week in the closet. I like that. I like that. Maybe if she also stuck her finger in an electrical socket. <laughs> yes, exactly. I had no worries about this season, but like if I had, like that scene would have just ended all of them. Yeah, it was definitely a great start to the season. So I think like that is like a really good like top moment for me of the episode um and i think we we've talked about in the last episode we talked about our key moments for like every season this is like our key moments from this episode and so another one for me which actually kind of mirrored what we talked about in our last episode about david and uh, alexis was the fight between david and alexis that kind of is simmering from the very beginning and kind of bubbles over by the end um, as these two crazy kids try to grapple with the fact that they're going to miss each other. Yeah, I really loved this dynamic between them in this episode because it's a little more adversarial than we've seen from them lately. It's almost kind of back to season one level of mm -hmm. simmering disdain for one another. Like You can tell that there's still the love underneath, but they're, they're a little more snippy with each other than they have been in recent years. And you can tell, though, the entire time, which is what I love about the way that the show is written and acted, is that you can always tell that there's this undercurrent to all of it about how much they're going to miss one another, and they're both just struggling with that. And they don't know how to express themselves as real human beings quite yet so that this is how it's bubbling over they just don't have a lot of practice at it you know yeah they're trying i love this the kind of dichotomy of this too though from season one i noticed um when at one point they're like what would have been in season one just like harsh barbs back and forth when they're sitting at the table at the uh uh, wedding venue and David just is like you're not gonna ruin my day and you just want to sit around on a beach in a tankini and he like has this whole like big long like sharp argument with her uh and in season one David would have that would have been it he would just said like whatever he wanted to say and let the chips fall where they may but you see him like look down kind of guiltily um, when he says it because he kind of knows now he should not be that way but this is how they know how to communicate their feelings to each other yeah, and Alexis in that moment, you know, even says basically like what you're doing here is not nice. She calls him out on it. Right. And that's not something that necessarily would have happened either before she would have just thrown back barbs of her own and not really let him know that it hurt her. Yeah. And so it's kind of a big step for both of them in that way. Even though they're retreating in some ways, they are pushing their type of communication forward in others. And they they get there in the end, kind of. They do. They do. Um, I love that moment when <laughs> David... So Alexis has uh, messed up her ticket. She's actually leaving a month later. 
but she kind of spins that as like she's wait she's staying for david and patrick's wedding and before david realizes that she's messed up her ticket that like sweet little moment where he's he's telling her like she doesn't have to stay and i just like that's like where they're getting to you kind of see these new people come out that like he's like you don't have to do this for me and then kind of alexis ruins it and makes him realize that she has actually just messed up her ticket (laughs) i love the the way that that happens because he realizes because of the way that she puts her hand on his face there's a level of sweetness that is allowed now and then if you go beyond that it becomes suspicious (laughs) a little too much she put it on a little too much she was right there she had him in the palm of her hand and then she went too far We'll see where that goes in in the following episodes, whether Alexis will stick around longer or if she'll be leaving in a month. And it'll be interesting to see, too, I think, like, if she's still leaving in a month, like, there's a timetable on that wedding then. In that case, does it mean that they have the wedding still on that sort of short notice? Right. Or is it that they push it back until she comes back? You know, how does that play out? Because Patrick made a good point. In the venue, when he said that, you know, a month isn't a lot of time to let people know that they need to be here for it. Um, so I, I think that they could definitely plan something nice within a month. But it is a good point that, you know, especially for Patrick, whose family obviously doesn't live in Schitt's Creek, it's harder for him to get his side of the family there yeah. within a month. And so it'll be interesting to see how all that plays out. For sure. Speaking of wedding planning, let's talk about these two and their plans and the excitement that we see in this episode from both of them. There's so much excitement. It made me so happy. It's so cute. It's so adorable. If I ever found anything that would make me so happy that I would full body wiggle around multiple times in a day, <laughs> let alone in like 10 minutes, uh, as David Rose does, if you have I mean, hopefully you've watched this episode and you're not listening to us and spoiling this whole thing, but just <laughs> that acting behind David being unable to contain himself so much that he is just vibrating with excitement. That's my favorite thing of the whole episode. It's so good. And to think of, you know, we did this recap in the last episode talking about where they've come from and all that. So that's always really on my mind. And I think that'll continue to happen throughout the mm-hmm. season is thinking about where they've come from. And, you know, if you think about David in the season one premiere, and how closed off he is and how he stands around with his arms crossed a lot. And, you know, he's wearing his leather jacket like armor. He's just not here for any of it right. <laughs> at all. And now here he is literally wiggling with excitement about the fact that he's getting married. And it's just such a 180 for him. I know. And it's so good to see. It's so good to see. And like... <laughs> It's hilarious, but also just like that joy that comes out of him, both because he's get kind of getting what he wants in terms of the wedding. But I think that that's bubbling over from like he's getting what he wants, both in terms of this venue, but in terms of the person, too. And he kind of can't hold it in. If only David from season one could see David from season six. He both would be horrified and <laughs> delighted. I liked that you could see the hints of the fact that they've talked about things Mm -hmm. and started, you know, planning things behind the scenes here as well. David talks about the fact that this is the only venue within miles that doesn't look like a crime scene. So he's obviously put some research into this in the last week. And they have probably talked about budget. Yes. And the fact that, you know, they're not going to be able to afford something that's this expensive. And they've 
talked about, you know, who's going to be making those decisions because Patrick says that he's basically ceded all the control over to David. Right. So they've had some conversations. And so I love how, how that shows just how excited they are behind the scenes, too, that in a week, they've already started all talking about all of this. Right. And they're kind of on the same page about a lot of it in many ways. They are. Like, there's no, when the, the venue is too expensive, David doesn't like throw a hissy fit or something. He knows. And I love that, like, he's so over the top about a lot of it, but he's become so practical about so much of it as well. And you know, you know that Patrick Brewer has a spreadsheet. He does. He's a line item spreadsheet just waiting for this wedding. He knows exactly what they can afford and exactly what they can't. And he will give David as much as they can possibly get while keeping it under the line, you know? Yeah. That's why they work so well together. And like he says, if you're happy, I'm happy. Yes. That was lovely. Just that little moment of like, just two people like knowing where they are with each other and like knowing each other so well that that Patrick can say that to David is like, I know, I know that your happiness makes me happy. So go, go forth and plan our wedding. There's a lot of trust there. Yep. Running with the theme of if you're happy, I'm happy. We've got to talk about Johnny and Moira in this episode and Johnny's support for Moira's decisions in both directions here, uh, since she kind of flip flops. I love Johnny and Moira, and I think that they have one of the sweetest relationships on TV. It's not one of those typical nagging wife sort of relationships that you see in a lot of sitcoms. Mm -hmm. And I love how much they're always both supportive of each other. But I think that this episode, it was almost unexpected for me, I think, just how much Johnny made me feel. Mm hmm in how supportive he was of Moira because the way that Eugene played it was so beautiful in that you could see in those early scenes that he was trying to almost hide his joy from her mm -hmm. at how happy he was that she was going to be giving things up not because he wants her to you know give up on her career but because it's been hard on her and he doesn't like to see that for her uh, and so he was he was happy about it. And you could see how he was trying to kind of downplay it and make it just like, oh, if this is what you want, then I'll support you. Uh, because that is his role. He's always been Moira's number one fan. And he's trying to, you know, use that as the reason that he's happy for her and supporting her and not his own happiness. But then later you see that turned around when she decides to keep going after all. And you see how upset he is underneath yeah how he kind of tries to hide it but he you can still tell it's affecting him yeah he's he's almost heartbroken for the fact that she's gonna put herself back in this situation where she can potentially be heartbroken again and end up back in a closet for who knows how long and all of that yeah and i think that that's a really important thing is like he's not heartbroken because like it'll take her away from him or she's off doing things it's that he's worried about her and he's worried she's going to end up in that closet again he even says after the fire that you know he'll make sure to fix the latches so that won't happen to her again yeah. knowing that she'll be back in that closet and and so he kind of had for just a few minutes thought that they kind of turned a corner and maybe that she wouldn't have that like devastation again. And then to see him kind of realize that that isn't necessarily over um, was very sweet and sad. Yeah. And I think it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out in the season with the fact that, you know, if her career is picking up again, as it looks like it might be, how does that affect Johnny and how does that affect 
his business decisions going forward? How does that affect Mm -hmm. whether or not they choose to leave the town if that opportunity comes up? There's a lot of things that that could play out. And if her career is super successful, obviously he's still going to support her because that's what he does. But if he personally is sort of struggling with what that could mean down the line, you know, how does that affect their decisions that they make together? Yeah. It's very interesting. I'm so excited to see what happens. Like, they're one of the top things that I'm excited to see what happens with those two because we usually get them being, like, very, like, supportive of each other and they have a very healthy relationship. So, like, if there is a little bit of an obstacle between the two of them as they kind of define where they are, either staying in the town or moving forward somewhere else, like, I'm excited to see that kind of play out. Yeah, we see them on the same page more often than not. And so it's interesting to see them not quite in sync. It was really interesting too to kind of see the difference between Johnny and Moira with David and Patrick comparing the where they are in life. Like you have Johnny and Moira who are like, you know, they've been together for years and years and they know how they work together. They have like this very healthy communication with each other. And you kind of see in this episode just hints of I feel like David and Patrick kind of melding their lives together um and i think one of the ways we see that is just kind of a little bit and i don't even know if it's gonna go anywhere in in the season but of david kind of being a little reluctant for patrick to like see the real rose family in this episode and so we see that at the beginning of the episode where they're gonna go see moira in the closet and david's kind of like oh no you can stay here you don't have to go in there and kind of see the the mess that will be happening um, in the closet. And Patrick being like, "No, no, I'm, I'm, we're, we're in this together." Basically, at this point, right. both with Moira and driving Alexis to the airport, he kind of walks himself into that one. <laughs> but um, you still see them like kind of not quite. They're not going to be perfect yet. Right. Um, and David's going to have to like let Patrick into these crazy rose moments if they're married um so it was interesting to kind of see that and then at the end i don't know like part of me is like david's just like well you're in this now and you can't back out um not saying like for sure like you can't back out but saying like you can't back out now right there's almost a question (laughs) a little of his anxiety a little bit of his anxiety in there like i'm gonna say this but i really mean it as like please don't back out uh patrick never would but um it was interesting to kind of see that play out versus like Johnny and Moira. Yeah. And I like that those scenes bookended the episode, you know, you got the, the comparison between the two mm-hmm. because of the fact that it was the the beginning and the end. So you see a, David not willing to let him in, in the start. And then at the end kind of reluctantly saying, okay, well, this is what you're stuck with now. <laughs> yeah. Which I'm sure Patrick is just like, I've been here for a while. So we're, we're in it now. <laughs> But well, it will be interesting. Like it'll be interesting to see if that was kind of just that part of this episode, or if that's something that continues um, down the line with the other episodes of like David letting Patrick integrate himself into the Rose family. Well, and honestly, Patrick isn't going to be surprised by any of this. Right, I feel no. like anyway. No. I mean, first of all, David is his mother's son, so right. he knows David well enough to know exactly what Moira is like. Uh, He worked with her on Cabaret. He definitely got a good, healthy dose of Moira during that process, I'm sure. And so none of this is surprising to him. And so I love that he walks in there with such confidence. Like, yes, of course I'm going in the other room. Like, it's your mother. I know what to expect here. Even if David's a little nervous about it. 
Yeah, and I love how he's not sideswiped by Moira. It's actually just Alexis wanting to go to the, like, tricking him into the airport that kind of, he's like, oh, that happened. Moira, he can just handle, but he got tricked into the airport. Kind of threw him off. Another, like, great moment from this episode, which I think you have to pay attention a little bit, is Emily Hampshire's performance. If you just watch this episode straight through the first time, you kind of maybe even miss a lot of what's happening in the background with Stevie. Uh, So Stevie goes on this wedding venue, visit with them. Turns out she's still a little bit hungover slash boozy from the cabaret rap party, which apparently... She was triple fisting drinks at one point in the hot tub. Also, I want to know where they were where there was a hot tub. I had someone suggest to me that perhaps they were at Roland and Jocelyn's because Roland and Jocelyn seem like hot tub people. And I love that idea. <laughs> I do, too. Yeah, that's perfect. But uh, she, so she's just, just a little bit more loose than Stevie normally is. Um, and she just gives some great one-liners uh, throughout the episode because she's a little tipsy. Probably a little bit more tipsy after she has the champagne at the venue. But if you have watched it just once through, you should definitely go back and just watch it again for the background acting of Emily Hampshire because she is on point. Yeah, she has all these great little quips in the background in the middle of, you know, David and Alexis arguing and all of that. She's just constantly got this look of delight. Like she's really enjoying the show for what it is. Right. Uh, Which I think she and Patrick both do a lot where they're kind of in the background, just enjoying whatever Rose shenanigans are happening. Um, But yeah, where she, you know, is watching Alexis particularly talk about her trip being next month. And (laughs) that moment where she tries to play it off as, you know, that she could push back her trip. And and Stevie in the background just goes, wow. (laughs) She just can't believe that Alexis is that bold about it. It's so good. There's just so many great little one-liners and moments like that for her in this episode. At one point, she even says, like, this is just like watching a car crash. Like, she is just here. And I love because Dan always says that um, Stevie is kind of the audience. And in a lot of ways, she's just kind of saying what we are all thinking. And between that Alexis and David fight of, like, this is just amazing craziness of the Rose family. And we're just here for the ride. And I love that Stevie kind of says that out loud. To bring it back to David's just happy, vibrating wiggles. The last time where he's just like out of control, like so excited. If you look over, uh, Stevie is also just like wiggling everywhere and like hands over her mouth. She's just so excited too. And so I I just, I love. It's a sympathy wiggle. It's a sympathy wiggle. (laughs) It's just amazing. Yeah. Well, and I love that we're seeing that, that Stevie is also kind of experiencing her own joyous transformation here, both from Cabaret and from, you know, seeing her friend, her best friend, be so happy too. Mm-hmm. You know, she's she's coming out of her shell and letting herself be a little more joyous and a little more free. I think we saw her smile a lot more in this episode than we've seen in most episodes. Oh, yeah, for she's sure. She's very happy for David, and that's kind of working its way into her own life too. You know, and now we've got this this arc of her questioning whether or not she can do something more. And you see that here in that conversation she has with Alexis. Yeah. She just kind of plant, they just kind of plant the seed just a tiny bit in this episode where she's talking about Alexis's trip and she's like, maybe I need to get out there and do something like that. And I think that that's just the beginning of what we're going to see from Stevie this season. We can't end 
the discussion of this episode without talking about this final scene at the barbecue and the discussion between David and Patrick. Right. They almost get a redo of season four's um, The Barbecue, uh, which did not end well for them that time around. Really? <laughs> I don't know. They had, they had a ro- rocky couple of days. <laughs> Just a few. Just a few. But we definitely don't see that happen in this episode at all. No, it was nice. It was really sweet to have this sort of rewritten barbecue. First of all, Johnny's obviously gotten a lot better at barbecuing in the meantime. Yes, I want to know, like, I want like a spinoff of all of Johnny's barbecue escapades where he's finally learned how to do this. I would watch that, you know? <laughs> Grilling with Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> Grilling with Johnny. There's special guests to help him out along the way. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so we get we get Johnny who knows how to barbecue now. We've got Moira trying to dole out some sage advice as she does and them. Um, not receiving it particularly well which actually is kind of a good callback to the barbecue as well where she's trying to tell david that he's right started a new chapter in the book on tape of his life and he's just like not having that at all not having it no life is happy accidents like moira has ever before this day ever thought life was happy accidents (laughs) but here we are and you get Alexa's talking about the fact that Ted's place isn't lizard-proofed yet. <laughs> I am in agreement with Alexis that if it was not lizard-proof, I would not be there. Yeah, I'm not not going to be a fan of that situation. No. And then you have Johnny, who always, Johnny is always the sweetest person, and he's just like, I'm so happy you're going to be here for another month. Like, he's always, like, the most normal of them. He'd be like, I'm going to miss you. Don't leave. Uh, so it was like that lovely little moment of just Johnny being like, well, sweetheart, I'm glad you're going to be here. And then, of course, we get this really sweet conversation between David and Patrick where they're sort of whispering to one another while the rest of the family's eating here about potentially getting married at the motel. Right. And Patrick kind of not even having to convince David. I mean, David's going to think about it, but like uh, for a long time, if you had ever said anything about getting married at the motel to David Rose, he would thought he would have thought you were insane. It was really sweet to kind of see them talk about the wedding planning and like how that could work and how this place means a lot. I think he says means a lot to you guys, but I think we both know that that place means a lot to those two as well. Yeah, I mean, they had their first kiss there, so... It's kind of an important part of their history. We'll see if David can be convinced to just put up a tent and string some lights up. I'm sure that's all he would ever want. We know that if it's going to be there, it's going to be a whole lot more than that. But like Patrick says, you could make it beautiful. Like There is no doubt that David could make it something really special for them, wherever they have it. Right, and I think I think he was missing one key argument was that... If the venue is free, David, you get so much more money. That's true. To make it beautiful or to get a kick-ass outfit. (laughs) Yes. Let's invest more in beautiful tuxes and less in beautiful venues. Exactly. You're speaking David's language at that point. So that brings us to the end of the episode. But we did want to talk about a couple more things, which I think we'll probably talk about throughout the season. One of which is the timeline. (laughs) So the timeline is my, I don't know if I would say my favorite thing to contemplate. It is like my adversary. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to figure out the timeline is both my passion and the bane of my existence. (laughs) (laughs) 
I have just accepted that basically Schitt's Creek lives on the the same universe as Doctor Who, and they go back in time, go forward in time, go sideways in time. Schitt's Creek is a TARDIS. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably a better explanation than anything I can come up with. Honestly, yeah, the timeline on the show is a little bit of a mess. It's like the one, I won't even call it a weak point, it's the one thing that I can get hung up on. <laughs> and... It's only because I'm being nitpicky. And I know that no show's timeline is ever going to be 100% perfect. It's just, you know, not how TV works. But I love to think about it just because it is so wonky. So one of my favorite things about this episode was the fact that they are supposed to be, we know this because of Alexis's flight, they are supposed to be visiting the venue on July 8th, which we then hear about how the first Sunday of the month is discounted, and then we find out why, and therefore that implies that July 8th is the first Sunday of the month. And that's just not possible, because that's not the way time works. (laughs) Because if July 8th is a Sunday, July 1st is also a Sunday, so (laughs) it just doesn't quite work. And it's just, we don't have to necessarily dive into the timeline deeply every week, because I could talk for hours about it. But I just thought it was really funny that it was such a simple thing of knowing whether or not the 8th could even be the first anything of the month. (laughs) And it really can't. It can't be the first of any of the weekdays because it is past the first week. I feel like at this point, it's just like Dan Levy fucking with you at this point. (laughs) (laughs) It might be. Me personally. (laughs) You personally, he has like, he's looked you up on Twitter and you are his nemesis of the timeline. So... (laughs) You know what? I'll take it. This is for you. This is your love letter, Leslie. (laughs) My love letter is timeline fuckery. Perfect. (laughs) Another thing we decided we wanted to do to just kind of end our deep dive each week is to talk about a favorite line from the episode, because that doesn't always fit in well with the rest of the recap. Sometimes it's a little throwaway thing. Sometimes it's going to be something important. Uh, So we want to just highlight one incredible line. and It's always hard to choose one. But B, if you had to choose one from this episode, what is your favorite line? It was really hard and really easy because there's just one line when I rewatched it for the podcast um, that stuck out, which is not like a major. I mean, there's so many like Moira has like 50,000 amazing lines in this episode. But my favorite actually was Roland when he comes and saves Moira from the fire or smoking toaster pop. He is like carrying her out. Um, He's literally carrying her out of the motel room. And he says, if Johnny locked you in that closet, we're going to have to call the police. And just like thinking about Roland and how he thinks Johnny has locked Moira into the closet. He really thinks Johnny and Moira get up to some weird shit. They do. He does. (laughs) He, He thinks all the time about those two and so just him delivering that line as she's got he's got her like flung over his shoulder and that wig is like cascading down the back um it's just the perfect moment it is that's a good one for mine i picked when they are at the venue and they come out after trying to convince clive to help them you know jump the car or whatever assist them in some way And David says Clive didn't have jumper cables because he doesn't drive because he's scared of car horns. That's like (laughs) such a great tiny detail. It's entirely unnecessary to the plot of the show, but just is the kind of thing that makes this show memorable. Yes. And I like how if you've now watched this whole episode and you've seen Clyde, you're like, yep, that guy, that guy's (laughs) definitely afraid of car horns. (laughs) I can see it. (laughs) I also love that David knew what jumper cables were. He's gotten to that point. He's made it. 
So that takes us to the end of the episode. But as we know, there are still more things to talk about. We can't go an entire episode without talking about fashion. Yes. And as we know, if you listen to our first episode, I have very strong feelings about certain things in this episode. <laughs> there is something that B is so particularly in love with. <laughs> listen, if you didn't listen to the last, the first episode of this podcast, I am just enamored with the culottes, culottes, not a kilt, that David Rose wears throughout this entire episode, which are Alexander McQueen. I believe it is fall winter 2015 line and they're fabulous and they became even more fabulous in this episode they're so good and the fact that the pattern on them just highlights the wiggles and how full body they are you can just watch those lines wiggle around it's so much fun i love this choice for him for this episode it is such a good choice and like i hope that that was part of the reason why he chose those for this episode because it is almost like just part of that whole moment of him just being so happy like they become a part of the character um, because they're so flowy when he's just like vibrating with energy Another look we have to talk about in this episode is Alexis, because she's also got kind of a similar flowy sort of thing happening here. It's a good like sibling pairing between the two of them. Mm -hmm. And she is wearing a fairly simple shirt, but she's got on these beautiful flared paisley pants that are made by Chloe. They're silk and they're very, they've got this very loose vibe to them that's sort of Mm -hmm. beachy almost which is appropriate obviously she's about to get on a plane to go to the galapagos um it's got this sort of like boho chic vibe that she always has but it's almost a little more relaxed in a way Mm -hmm. and i really love that yeah there's definitely like a step back in terms like usually she has like very flowy very like vibrant colors and it's a little bit of a muted color but she's paired it with some literally killer hills and i just love that pattern if you like watch the episode like the pattern of them are is so like lovely and and it kind of just like is a perfect silhouette yeah um which annie pulls off really well but that whole look i i am here for that look yeah it's great and i love the I love the symmetry of the pattern on it, mm-hmm. and I love the the like pin tuck down the front of it. Like everything about it is so there's like nice clean lines, but also then the pattern is sort of disruptive, and it's just it's a really good mix between the two, like the streamlineness of it and the the chaos of it almost. Right. Um, and you're right, Annie pulls it off so well. Yeah, but I also think we can't not talk about what Alexis was planning to take with her to the Galapagos. In her 18 suitcases. <laughs> In her 18 suitcases. I actually just like literally paused the episode when I rewatched it to kind of try to pick out some of the things that are mm-hmm. flowing out of the overflowing suitcases. I love that she didn't fold any of it or like roll it as some people tell you to do to, you know, make more space, that sort no, of thing. Not at all. She just literally threw it in there. It's stuffed to the gills in there. <laughs> there was at one point I thought there were ski boots, but they turned out to just be a really awesome pair of like Valentino like high heeled boots that she was gonna wear on the beach. Yeah, she has two pairs of them out there. She's got a floral pair and then a pair that are like denim embroidered with stars. And yeah, great beach looks. Great. <laughs> great. There's lots of hats lying around that are gonna go along with her it's almost like if you've ever seen that uh, movie joe versus the volcano with tom (laughs) hanks where he has the great big suitcases full of stuff that just like get him places and i could just see alexis like getting shipwrecked 
<laughs> like he does in that movie and her just tying all those suitcases together um, and just being able to pull out different things that they're going to need along the way. So if Ted and Alexis do actually get shipwrecked as Twyla predicted, <laughs> she's got them covered. <laughs> they're going to be set. This is not going to be a Titanic, not enough room on the no. door situation. <laughs> no, there's 10 suitcases to keep them alive. <laughs> Another statement piece that we have to talk about for this episode is Moira's necklace that she wears when they go to the creek. Yes, the D-squared necklace. I don't even know how it's held up. Like, is it got a pin behind it? Because it's so heavy. Like, it's such a statement piece that like, and then it's got like, if you look behind it, it's got like this lovely little ribbon that's just behind her head. Right. Like how, it's like magic that, that I mean, it might actually be magic for Catherine to have that on, but it's such a statement piece and I'm, I'm loving it. It is. And I love that it's got like the eye and the heart on it. Mm -hmm. I think that that, you know, kind of tells us a little bit about where Moira's at at this point and how, you know, she's trying to like open herself up. Um, to this new path in life and all of that I, I think that symbolically it's a good necklace for her to wear and then yeah I mean you're she's wearing something fairly simple with it with mm-hmm. this this dress that she has on um, as far as Moira goes at least but then just this giant necklace to go on a trip to a creek with that really gorgeous black and white parasol yeah and it's such a like that dress is almost like an Alexis dress to me yeah um it's so, so like flowy and simple um, but with that necklace, it is it is killer. Very Moira. Yep. Well, that brings us to the end of our discussion about this episode, but we don't want to leave off without talking a little bit about next week. Next week's episode is called The Incident, and the episode description says that in this one we're going to get David embarrassed by a childhood issue that resurfaces, while Johnny, Stevie, and Roland attend a viewing for a nearby motel. I'm really interested to see two things. One, what is the incident? What happens? And what is David embarrassed by? And is that the incident? Like, I keep coming up with all these, like, things that you possibly could be embarrassed by as a child. And I'm really interested to see, (laughs) because I feel like it's going to be hilarious. (laughs) Hilarious, but also we know that David's past is not always the nicest for him. And so I feel like it could be funny, but it could also be really sad. That's true. I didn't even think about that. Because I'm like, oh, did he have night terrors? Oh, did he sleepwalk? And you're like, you're bringing it down, Leslie. (laughs) I know. I'm sorry. I just, I have such a soft spot for him. I know. And for all that he's, you know, been through in his life, some of which is sort of, you know, self-inflicted, I guess. Uh, But he's just, he's been in some bad spots. And I have a lot of you know, love in my heart for him. And I don't want to see bad things have happened to him. No. But, you know, like you said, it's, I mean, it's a comedy at the end of the day. It's going to be funny either way. (laughs) But we'll see. We'll see what it could possibly be. I'm interested to hear more about David's childhood, because can you imagine David Rose as a child? This is true. Anything that gives us more of a look into the past of any of the characters is always super welcome. Uh, It's always nice to find out new little tidbits about who they were before they came to this town. Right. And we kind of see that Johnny, Stevie, and Roland are kind of what we've seen some hints of in the promos of, like, potentially building their motel empire. Um, If they're going to a viewing of a motel, um, is this going to be kind of the launching point of that? Yeah, that'll be exciting to see, especially, like, what kind of motel they would potentially invest in. You know, is it another one they have to kind of rebuild from the ground up? 
is it something that's doing okay to start with? I mean, I guess maybe why would you be selling it if it's doing okay? I don't know. Right. There's lots of options there, though. But I, I always like seeing Johnny, Stevie, and Roland together. I know that some people are very sort of annoyed by Roland. Uh, I find him to be delightful. <laughs> like, I think that, yes, he is annoying. He's supposed to be. He's supposed to be annoying, yeah. He annoys me in the best way. Yeah, exactly. As the seasons have gone on, he is... He's gotten some really funny lines, especially I think in season five. He, I found myself laughing at a lot of things mm-hmm. with Roland. And so I, I always like seeing him and Johnny and Stevie together. They're such a weird trio. <laughs> right. They play off each other so well. So I always love those three together. And it's like a, such a genius move to have put those three together over the course of this the series. So Yeah, they're they're all three so dissimilar. It's a very not odd couple, but odd trio sort of vibe. <laughs> and we see Moira potentially doing a little social media for the Crows movie. Got hints of that in the promos. She's supposed to be doing a, a social media takeover for Interflix. Um and she's introducing at least Rose Apothecary to all of her online friends. Friends. Friends and fans together. Um, as a social media manager in real life, I'm excited to see <laughs> Moira take. Because I just imagine being the person who is coaching Moira to take over my account and how terrified I would be of her <laughs> doing so. And I won't talk about it yet, but there's a... There's a David sweater that we saw in the promo that I'm interested. I haven't made my mind up about yet, uh, but we'll see what happens. Haven't made your mind up about? <laughs> not qu- not quite yet, but we'll see. It's certainly a look. It is a look. It could look great on him, but what we see online of the actual sweater leaves a lot to be desired. But I feel like Dan Levy can pull off any sweater, so <laughs> I think it'll it'll turn out fine. <laughs> And we could talk about this next week, but if they don't do it, the hood on that sweater is amazing. And if he can't, it doesn't hide himself in that hood, then they missed an opportunity. (laughs) Missed opportunity. Just turtle into that thing. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Well, that brings us to the end of the first episode of season six. We made another podcast episode. We did it. Woohoo. Thank you to everyone who actually listened to the first episode. We appreciate it so much. We were so excited that there was more than just one person that was related to us who got out and listened to us. Uh, The great thing is that we are actually much more accessible this week in that we are now on Apple Podcasts. Uh, You can find us on there. Maybe you're listening to us there right now. Um, But be sure to uh, subscribe while you're there so you get every week's episode because we'll be doing all 14 episodes of season six. And if you are so inclined to please uh, review the episodes or the podcasts because that helps us get more viewers if people see that you like us. You can also check us out online. We're at shitfacedpod on Twitter and Instagram. Um, So be sure to follow us. We will uh, be posting more and more on there as the weeks go by. And you can always follow both of us. I'm weirdly, I'm B, but I'm Brandy with an I in Indy on Twitter. And Leslie, where can they find you? You can find me at Leslie the Baker. Hey. Well, that brings us to the end of yet another week. And we will be back here next week talking about the incident. And we hope you will join us then. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.